All right, everybody, welcome to chapter 10 of Legion's Cast. That's right, everybody, we're back. I'm the host, or I'm one of the hosts, Steve Bashati. Travis Bowles is with me with me today. How are you, Trav? I'm awesome. Pete McCarthy is not here. He's he's working. He's unavailable. So we went on without him. But you know what? It's it's okay because we've got someone much more important than Pete McCarthy. We've got a special guest today. Um, everyone's favorite Lazy Boy customizer, Jeremy Gerard, is here from. <laughs> From where? Where is he from, Trav? Uh, Maine. <laughs> from Maine. <laughs> Jeremy Rhode Gerard's. Island, Maine. Hey, yeah. hey, Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing very well, guys. Thanks for having me again. No problem. So I just I want to real quick tell you guys a quick story um, because Pete's not here, so someone else has to step into the void of even though when we've got a very talented um, guest on. I just want to tell a story about myself the whole time. So <laughs> it's, you know, this is when we got guests on, that's the best time to talk about yourself. Oh, well, I just, I want to make sure Jeremy hears my story. Okay. So we, we were playing uh family feud the other day uh, with some friends. And the question was name a city in uh, Canada. And I said, Quebec. Is that a city? I thought it. I, I think so. Oh, it's a. Um, not, is it a? Is it a province? Do they do I they call them? The, oh, province, right? Or do they call them territories? No, I think they're provinces. Gosh, why would you yeah. ask questions like that on this show? <laughs> it's so funny. Everybody I was playing with looked at me like I was the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> Because I think it's like a state, yes, a providence or something like that. And they all, like, like you are so stupid. And I feel so good right now because I just said it, and you two both looked at me like, where's the joke? Well, you know what's confusing is, and it's funny because I was looking into going on a vacation in Quebec. It's confusing because there is a city called Quebec City. So I think a lot of people refer to Quebec City as just Quebec. So I think that gets confusing, but I do believe that Quebec is, like you said, either a state or a province or something like that. You know, they they they, they compared it to, they said, Travis, that would be like someone saying, name a city in America, and you said Michigan. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see how that's. Um, that's, that would be like thinking Rhode Island was a town in Maine. I, I get it. I totally you know, get it. There is a Michigan that, city. And you said that joke at the start. You said, Steve, you know, Travis, where is Jeremy from? Remember, this is Legion's cast. That was a joke from a previous time you guys had me on your other show where, uh, Travis asked where I was from. And I mentioned I'm from Rhode Island and he then followed up and said, how beautiful is Maine? And we had that that very funny, you know, back and forth about Travis actually thinking that the state of Rhode Island was the exact same thing as the state of Maine. So that's where that joke came from for any Legion's cast listeners that weren't privy to that, you know, special little display of Travis's stupidity. <laughs> I, wish, I wish it had been on Skype. 
So I could have seen your face as you sat there thinking, man, is this guy really this dumb? I wish I could have seen Jeremy's face when you originally called him a lazy boy customizer, which is where that joke comes from, which is also something that happened on the My Wife is Gonna Kill Me podcast. And and, and Jeremy, I guess I want to just kind of get this out there because a a lot of people, especially from Legion's cast, you know, might not be aware that that obviously wasn't jest um, when I I made that joke, but it's kind of followed you a little bit because of course i keep saying it um i want to stop you i don't think that wasn't just travis the way you were framing that discussion when it all went down was was you were describing something and i don't think you meant it but you weren't cracking a joke at the time the jokes (laughs) came later either either way (laughs) so the problem is now i i have somewhat seen some of our listeners have also, we'll make this joke. <laughs> and I sometimes, like, I go, you know, I, dude, you're very talented. You make some amazing customs. And I, matter of fact, not only have you gifted, you know, Stephen and I and, and Pete as well, um, some absolutely amazing customs, but I, you know, I've spent money on your stuff oh, because yeah. it's it's that good. And I'm not buying a lazy boy custom you know that's not happening um because i could do that uh so you you are an artist and i i sometimes just i hope you know that it's definitely in jest and and um i do love you oh i absolutely know and it's funny you say that because all three of the hosts have actually purchased pieces from me over time um so in addition to the ones i gifted previously you guys have all purchased some you have some of those as well um but yeah you are right that that lbc lazy boy customizer that has followed me it happened just the other day actually where one of the listeners i posted something and he said you know nice lbc and i replied because it was interesting the piece I was showing at first glance looked like it was just a simple like head swap, but there was some additional stuff that was done to it that I don't think you saw at first glance. So I replied with that comment and it probably came across as me being defensive, me being like, Hey, this isn't an LBC. This is, this is some real work I've done on this. And it, uh, (laughs) but yeah, you are right. It has followed me, but I do know that it's in jest i do think it's in good fun and i absolutely know that you all love me very much well the only reason it's funny is because you are such the opposite of that (laughs) you know it wouldn't be funny if you were a hack just the the guy you that was you know on then then that wouldn't be so funny that would be called bullying (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so (laughs) which we're not above let's be honest there's not much we are above Oh, but man. that's on the other show. That's not on Legion's cast. Very true. Very true. Uh, it, it It is funny. You know what? You pump out customs. Um, and, and and that's the fun part about what you do is it's it's amazing the output you have. So why don't you just, in, in case there is anybody that, that is new to this and don't, don't know who you are, can you just give us a little bit of insight on um, the man, the myth, Jeremy Gerard? Yeah, sure. So what I always say, I, I 
in addition to my customs, I do a show on Wednesday nights live on YouTube now called Mythic Conversations, where I talk about Mythic Legions customizing and, uh, you know, Mythic Legions news and what have you. And, you know, I always start that show by saying, you know, my name is Jeremy Gerard and I'm a Mythic Legions collector and customizer. Um, you can also, you know, you can find my work. My Instagram is, you know, at Mythic Customs. My website is mythiccustoms.com. Um, and additionally, I also have the privilege of working as the digital marketing manager for Four Horsemen Studios. Um, those guys, you know, allow me to do all the work on sourcehorseman.com. So all the articles that that you see there, in addition to the website itself, I, I built that and I maintain that for the studio. Um, you know, a bit about my history, I started collecting Four Horsemen, you know, when the studio first started. I mean, even before that, back in their McFarland days, I was, you know, collecting the work that they put out through the Spawn and the other McFarland lines, followed them through all of their fantastic exclusives from Seventh Kingdom and Gothitropolis, um, and then, you know, got in right at the ground floor, thankfully, with Mythic Legions 1.0, was a Kickstarter backer, and, you know, realistically, at that point, I, I wasn't a customizer. I wasn't doing any of this. I didn't have the line in hand, so I didn't know about the customizing potential of the line. Um, so really, when you look at my website and what I've done, I've done over 400 Mythic Legions customs over time. Um, that's all since Mythic Legions 1.0 shipped um, just about four years ago. So May 2016 was when we got those in hand and getting those in hand the first time I started, you know, doing actually Lazy Boy Customs, just doing some simple head swaps. Uh, and then starting to do a little bit of painting and adding in pieces from other lines, you know, Masters of the Universe heads that I would dremel and put onto figures to give them, you know, new new looks. Um, that's really how it started. And like I say all the time is the more you start doing this, the creative juices start flowing. You get more used to the, the parts and pieces and how you can work with them. Um, and that's just really led to the the crazy amount of custom output that I've had over over that four years. That is crazy to me. You know, and, and we've talked numerous times and I'm sure you've told us that you just started customizing four years ago. I, I'm sure of that. Mm -hmm. But just thinking about that is is absolutely shocking to me how talented you are because I just feel that is a time kind of thing. You know, you just don't get to just all of a sudden pick up a figure and, and visualize and come up with this really great idea. Um, so that that's really impressive and, and makes me love you even more. Well, it's like I tell everybody, and then that's, that's one of the things I try to do both with the posts I make, I mean, the reason I post all my recipes on my website, the reason I do my weekly show is to hopefully inspire other collectors to, to, you know, dip their toes in the customizing water. Cause I know that personally for me, it's added a whole other level of appreciation I have for this toy line. It's, you know, made me enjoy the hobby so much more than I did. I've been a toy collector for 20 something years, but 
I appreciate these particular figures so much more than anything I've ever collected um, because of how much I get to customize them. So I love to inspire other people to do that. And, you know, the fact that I've only been doing it for four years and I'm able to, you know, pump out what I'm able to do. I hope that people see it, they enjoy it, and that makes them think that, you know what, I can do this as well. I just need to, you know, dedicate the time to, to learning how to do it. For sure. I really, I really wish you could inspire Steven. Steven is great. <laughs> Jeremy has inspired me. You know? I, it's funny. I just saw on the the uh, the, the other podcast, the uh, Instagram page, he posted the vampire killer that he did. And that came out wonderful. You know, not only – I mean, it's one thing to see the paint. I think he did a great job on painting the pieces, but also the character design. You know, the fact that it's not just – he didn't just take a Templar and swap out the, the tunic chest for that other chest piece and say, okay, this is a standard Templar. You know, he did some fun stuff. He gave it the bare arms to, to make it more barbarian looking, which makes a lot of sense considering what Steve likes. Um, but I think that he did a really, really cool job with that. So he's already got the paint chops. I've seen him. I've seen him paint those. Um, and I was actually surprised when I saw him painting like the ogre, like the ogre legion builder, because I never knew that Steve had done figure painting in the past. So when I saw that, I thought it was going to be like his first shot at it. And I, you know, I said, "There's no way that he's never done that before." That that came out really, really nice. So whether I'm inspiring Steve or he just has it in him, he's he's definitely. Uh, He's definitely doing some cool customs, too. Oh, thanks. Coming from you, that means everything. Oh. <laughs> you know, what's funny is is exactly what you're describing. This is just to show you how, how narrow-minded I am and lack the artistic ability that you two have. When those, um, those pieces, and it's the cross chess piece that was available through my action figure customs, um, when those came available and I saw them, I was like, yeah, those are awesome. But what I'm about to see is a lot of very similar customs being done with those pieces. And then Steve rips that bad boy out. And that's what is so great about this line is I feel like if you have the artistic ability, you can just make some amazing pieces. And I, and I think back to that first Kickstarter, how they even listed that in there, that this line is, in, is, is, going to be very easy to, and I can't even remember how they worded it, but it was something along the lines of make your own figures. And not a lot of other lines are, are made like that. Like, I can't even think of many, to be honest. No, and it's interesting because if you think about the history of the Mythic Legions line, um, it wasn't initially conceived as a six, seven-inch scale line. It was actually a, a smaller line, like a four-inch scale, and it was supposed to use this uh, Gylos, I think it's pronounced, system. But it's basically a, a system of figure construction that allows the, the parts to be easily swappable, and that was a key part. So when they, when they initially designed Mythic Legions, that swappability was a key part of it to the point that those initial figures that they showed at the Toypocalypse show in New York back in like 2014 or whatever um, 
at that show, they had, there were two up versions, so they actually were about seven inches, but they had a Black Knight with antlers on his helmet, and they had a gold armored uh, knight with a white tunic and a, a green dwarf. Um, those weren't actually named characters. Those were all actually just examples of what you could put together with this line. But what ended up happening is people loved those combinations so much that they became Gorgo Aetherblade, Gideon Heavensbrand, Orn Steelhide, and all the other characters in 1.0. So I remember talking to actually Chris Garwich at the studio, who is the production <coughs> manager for Four Horsemen Studios, talking to him about that move from four inch to the seven inch and how, you know, they went to the studio and they said, look, we know we're upscaling them, but we still want there to be that interchangeability. We can't use that system anymore, but we want to find a way to manufacture these so they can be easily swappable. And I mean, they obviously hit it out of the park. There is, you are right. There is no line like this that combines both the swappability with the the quality of the sculptures, the quality of the paint. I mean, you don't even have to, you don't, if you don't touch them, if you don't mess them around and change the parts, they look wonderful out of the box. But once you start pulling those parts apart, um, the, the possibilities are absolutely endless. Without a doubt. Yeah, agreed. Um, I got a, I got a question I want to ask you guys, and, and this is one that gets off, asked often on, you know, the, the um, Facebook groups like the Cabal and the Bazaar and all those things is, is what is that one figure that you slept on that you, you didn't really think it was that cool. And then when you got it in your hand, you were like, what was I thinking? Was there, do you guys have a figure like that? I can tell you mine right away. Um, mine was just your, your regular, um, uh, Kickstarter 1.0 was the, the silver knight, just a plain silver knight. I, when it was standing there next to all those other figures, I just was like, yeah, I need one of them. No big deal. And man, I kick myself daily every time thinking about, you know, that I could have got six of those at $22 each or whatever it was. And, and that one really just kills me. Yeah. For me, it would be probably Delta Gar. Um, Delta Gar. I skipped. I wasn't interested. Um, got him in hand. You got him in hand, Travis played with yours. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta have them. Um, and then uh, I've mentioned another sleeper for me was, um, Viteris. Yep. We've talked about that on the show before that he was just, he just was like, oh, that's another night, you know? And then, and then once we got him in hand and, and everything else, I was like, he is, he is awesome. Um, so yeah, those would be the a couple that come to mind for me. For me. I mean, I remember that, the figure that I intended to sell once I got him that I ended up absolutely loving was Sir Gideon Heaven's Brand from the first wave. That was one that for whatever reason in photos didn't much care for him, but as soon as I got it in, absolutely loved him out of the box. Um, but on to piggyback on what you were saying there, Travis, Legion Builders in general for 1.0, I slept on. You know, I only got, because I got and all when I for the Kickstarter itself, I went all in with a handful of extras, and then 
before they actually shipped, I ended up buying another all-in from the store. So when all was said and done, I got a little bit more than two all-ins. And the only Legion builders I got were the ones that came in those packs. Um, because I wasn't customizing at the time, I looked at the Legion builders and just said, well, they're just the same figures but with less detail. I don't really want that. I want the more detailed ones. Now that I'm a customizer, I realize that those Legion builders are the perfect, perfect canvas because of the lower price point and the fact that they have no paint on them perfect price point to jump onto for customs. Um, the Black Knight from the Coliseum Wave, that figure is a wonderful, as is the Bronze Dwarf from 1.0, two pretty hard to find figures today. I wish I would have gotten more of them. And the figure that I bought literally only one of because I didn't care for the design um, was actually probably Rhaegor. Rhaegor, also from the Coliseum Wave, I already had my, like, not Warduke figure, and that's, I think, why a lot of people bought Rhaegor. So I bought one of them. I upgraded some of the parts on my, my not Warduke, like the helmet and stuff. But the figure itself is actually very, very cool, and I don't, I don't have one intact because the only one I had I disassembled to use in customs. So those are, those are the ones that I would say I slept on a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting how, like, you mentioned the Black Knight. <clears throat> I've got one Black Knight left uh, in package, and I'm putting together a custom right now. It's a vampire, and I need I need two suit of armor thighs. Now, I got them. I could go take that Black Knight, and he's still in the package. I could rip those thighs off and use them. But now he's gotten to be such an expensive figure He's $150 about, isn't he, Trav? Isn't that about accurate? I don't know. I stopped looking when I didn't have any more to sell. <laughs> I think he is close to that. It's like it's so hard for me to go in there when you're looking at a $150 figure that now and, and rip his thighs off to use for my custom. It just, you know, it changes things. You buy these yeah. with the intent for that sort of thing, and then once they start shooting up in value, they start becoming more feeling like you're you're messing with gold sometimes, and it's kind of almost irritating. Yeah, if I was you, Steve, I'd buy Krono for that. Krono, you can still get at 50 bucks, no problem. Um, he's got the armored upper thighs. Uh, they're somewhat black to begin with. They've got the green detail, but if you want to turn it black, I mean, that's as easy as you know as can be. Paint those black. That's If I needed upper thighs, that's where I would go right now. Yeah. That's why, that's why you're so smart. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. I mean... The Black Knight is one because I know that they've talked about Legion Builders coming back in stock at some point. Um, I believe CB said on you know his appearance on your show that you know they've got an order in for those, um, but they haven't said exactly which ones they're going to be. So I'm actually very curious to see if we're going to get the Black Knight. He's one. The Black Knight and the Bronze Dwarf are two that I really, really hope make the cut, uh, simply from the customizing potential standpoint. It's it's so crazy to think about, and I got an idea on Steve, but to think about now with the price point on these figures, how many of them you have Frankensteined and taken apart and painted. <laughs> You know, I can't even imagine. 
Yeah, it's it's funny. I heard someone say that the other day when they were doing a video. I think it was Toy Bro was doing a video about prices, and he brought up a point. Actually, I'm not sure if it was him or if it was actually you guys on the show, but someone brought up a point recently of how limited the runs were to begin with and then how many have been cannibalized for customs. I never thought of that aspect of it, but it's absolutely true how many of these things have been pulled apart and couldn't be returned back to their original form that limits the amount, uh, you know, lowers the amount that are out there in the market to begin with. You know, I'll tell you right now, I actually, Otho was never one of my favorite characters. I loved the head sculpt, but I just didn't care for the figure as is. I used the Otho head on a different custom, um, but I didn't paint it or anything. It's untouched, and the rest of the body is also untouched on a different custom. So I could very easily put those two pieces back together and have an Otho and as much as I like having that, looking at the current prices, you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I've looked at those two separate pieces and thought mm. to myself, do I really like those two customs that much or would I prefer to sell a complete Otho? Yeah. It's hard not it's hard not to think of those things um, nowadays. But We've been, Steve and I talked earlier today on the phone and we were kicking around the it might have been even yesterday, but regardless, um, we were kicking around. If you were to turn around right now and sell your complete collection, that you could buy a new car. Yeah. And and okay, it might be like a Chevy Cruze or something like that, but uh, that's a pretty nice car. <laughs> and I'm like, how how crazy is that? And and not only that, like, um, and I not to go like crazy talking about the price aspect but the fact of the matter is uh a lot of the figures are going to come back around you know they they really will and and right now the market's crazy so if you chose to sell high there's a chance you could buy back in low yeah you know and um i'm like a smarter man a, a businessman that's what you do so it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I have a 16-year-old son, and he's a collector as well. He was with me at Legion's Con last year. He, he's, you know, he's been in the line as long as I have. He obviously has a lot fewer than I do, but he's got some gems in his collection, and he's heard me talking about prices. And he came to me two days ago, and he said, "Dad." You know, I'm thinking of selling some of the really expensive Mythic Legions so I can put that money towards my college, which I thought was the greatest thing in the world because the more money he puts down towards college, the less money I have to put down towards college. And I was like, that's a way that that's not selling my figures. You know, I'm still going to have my Urzark and my, uh, my Sir Valgard, but he's got them as well. And he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll sell those and, you know, put it towards uh, education. Good kid. Hell yeah, do that. If he's got an Urzak, you know, um, send him my way. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know that you are. Know that you are looking. <laughs> so, think about this: the initial 1.0 Kickstarter. That was what 30, 34 figures. <clears throat> I think it was something like that. Yeah. Thirty-four figures. That. The the buy-in price on that, the pledge price on the Kickstarter was one thousand fifty dollars. You know, I, I mean, 
it's it's amazing to think uh to think what people got in at oh yeah it's it's it is crazy and i think back to what i spent which was so close to that but i didn't go all in yeah <laughs> that's my boy <laughs> i didn't go all well, in and i did probably what you did steve where i didn't want like i mentioned that i didn't like gideon um, the reason I went all in was because I did the value analysis and I looked at all the ones I wanted and the cost of an all in. And I was like, you know what? It just makes sense to go all in because I can probably just sell the ones I don't want. Because even though Mythic Legions, you know, 1.0 was the first line, I was also in on the Ravens Kickstarter before Mythic Legions. And people don't talk about this as much, but those Ravens figures, there was a point where those were going for big, big money. You know, I went, I did not go all in on the Ravens. I ended up buying an all-in set after the fact. Um, but I remember selling a number of those. I mean, selling them on eBay, like putting them up for, you know, $35 and seeing some of those figures go, you know, for $300 a piece. So I already knew that there was a collector market. So when I was buying Mythic Regions 1.0, that was my mentality was the ones that I don't want – I can just flip, make a few bucks. I'll at least make back what I paid. And then the savings that I get from the all-in will be even more significant. Well, of course, once I got them in hand, I sold zero figures from my all-in. Because as soon as I got them in hand, they absolutely blew me away. And then once I started customizing, not only did I not have any to sell, but I had to go out there and find more. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, For sure. Well... We were talking earlier about, uh, you know, getting figures for cheap, uh, possibly, you know, you sell your collection, maybe you could buy in low. Speaking of buying in low, um, they have announced uh, an in-stock sale coming up. Um, now, Jeremy, we know you run the website. Do, do you have any involvement with uh, with running of their in-stock sale at all? I do not. So the the storehorseman.com that is actually a separate entity from Source Horseman. Um, when I got involved last year, we revamped kind of the informational aspects of the website, uh, but the store remains the one that they have that they've been using for a while. So that is that is the one element of the the website presence that I don't directly get involved with. So you hear, heard it here, folks. Uh, when it crashes and uh, you don't get the figures you want or it got stolen out of your cart, don't call Jeremy. Absolutely. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to do with it. I actually cannot help you. <laughs> and, and hopefully none of those things happen. Um, I just I, – I, I love when I see people saying – Hey, don't spend too much money right now. The in-stock sale is coming. Don't wait, wait, be patient, be patient. And I'm like, do these, do these people remember what the last one was like? Because I remember like blood in the water. Mm -hmm. Do they really know what, what's about to happen? There was people crying in the streets. I mean, like when I left my house in my neighborhood, there was, I saw a garbage can go through a window of a house that was behind me. I mean, people were going ape. The police were circling. It was just, 
it was not pretty here in Muskegon. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, it's funny. They, I mean, they can be brutal. In stock sales can be really, really tough. I've, I mean, I've been doing in stock sales since the very beginning, um, and they've as more fans have come into the line, obviously they've become more and more difficult. Uh, well, I mean, I will tell you that the horsemen have thrown more and more resources at that website at, you know, even though I'm not involved with it, I do know that they've done, you know, everything they can to try to improve that experience. Um, but I mean, any website that goes from essentially no traffic and no sales to turning it on and having that many people hit it all at once, that is going to cause a problem no matter, no matter, you know, what site you're using. Um, and you know, I will say this, that over time, I've always gotten most of what I wanted from the in-stock sale. And what I've always done is don't use the in-stock sale as your opportunity to buy an entire wave. If there's a couple figures that maybe you got previously that you wish you would have gotten an extra of, and you're looking to get it back at that original retail cost, that is what the in-stock is for. Know which one you want, get it in your cart immediately, get one or two figures and check out. Otherwise you're going to see, you are going to see stuff get dumped. Totally. Um, Travis, I think you're trying to talk, but you're, 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 you're muted. You're muted, buddy. <laughs> Travis doesn't, doesn't understand. So anyways, uh, until Travis figures out how we can talk, is there anything you're looking for this time, Jeremy, or are you, uh, you going to just, uh, chill out and have a drink and watch TV while the in-stock sale's going? Um, I might pick up an extra ogre or two. You know, I mean, what's interesting is the difference, I think, between this in-stock sale and previous ones is for previous in-stock sales, I feel like by the time the in-stock happened, uh, they were the figures that were available were sold out everywhere else. So the in-stock was really your only opportunity to get these figures below eBay prices. Um, this in-stock is going to be Siege and Wasteland, and all of those figures, with the exception of the Dwarf Torgon Redfin from the Wasteland Wave, those are all still in stock online at different retailers. Uh, so I actually wonder... You know, how many people, yeah, you're going to be able to get a figure for 35 versus, say, 50 at, like, a big bad toy store or something, but how many people are going to wade through those waters if you just want one or two figures? I don't know if it's worth dealing with that for that price. Um, I'll probably log on. I'll see. I did not go super heavy on the ogres, and now that I'm customizing them, I'm wishing I, you know, had a few others. So if I can pick up a couple for a bit less than, you know, the current uh, retailer price, maybe I'll do that. But I'm not going to sweat it. If it's if it's really really brutal out there, I'll uh, I'll step back and, like you said, have a drink and chill out. Yeah, Travis, can you talk yet? Doesn't seem. Go ahead. You, we can barely hear you, so you're not muted. It's something else. Um, let me see here. Yep. So, um, so how about you, Trav? Are you going to be looking for anything during the in-stock sale, or are you chilling out with me and Jeremy? 
I, I'm going to be chilling out with you guys as well. Uh, there's not much really from either of those waves that I need. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll probably jump in and, and try and grab a few, um, you know, as like, as I've seen my inventory get low. So like, I, I hate to be the one to tell everybody this, but I'm the guy that will be buying some to, um, to flip. Um, <laughs> but you filthy son of a, if this wasn't legions cast, I'd have some yeah. words. This man has cases of mythic legions in his downstairs, you know, that he's just ready to prey on the innocent and, uh, and sell. Uh, I got problems. And then he's going to go on the in-stock sale and fight all of you again. So, uh, you know, when we talk about these things and driving up prices and everything, and, you know, various places like the Cabal, I want to see, I want to see some people really targeting Travis Bowles from Legion's cast. Because uh, he is the problem. Without a doubt. I, I can't deny it. Um, I am a monster. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's just the way it is. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm proud of it, but um, <laughs> I can't wait to taste your tears. Um, the, the reality of it is, is, and I imagine they're going to do it again. Uh, you know, last time there was a limit of two, if I remember right. Didn't they do that on the last in-stock sale? There was for, just a, I think they did that for 24 hours or something or a certain amount yeah, of time, and yeah, then they 20, opened it up. Hours. Yeah, was it 24 hours or the first hour? Oh, it could be that, too. Yeah, I thought it might have been the first hour it was limited to how many you could get, and then then I think they opened it up after that. You know, so like like you said, you can get these figures now, you know, so most of them at least. So I I do understand the wanting to save, you know, a little bit of money. I get that too, but like Jeremy said, man, the heartache of what the in-stock sale can be sometimes is – is just brutal. Um, and I, I actually, I'm, I'm thinking back to the last insect sale. I, I don't think I even bought anything in it. So, um, you know, I, it's just the way it is. And while I hope, I hope people get the opportunity to get a figure they want. Um, it's, it's just a beast It's just a beast. I just want to, before we move on, point out how much of a fence rider, uh, Travis is. Uh, his his initial answer to the question was, "Yeah, I'm going to chill out with you and Jeremy and not really pay attention, but I'm going to jump on there because my, uh, my my inventory is getting a little low, and I'm going to try to buy as much as I possibly can." He, that was a great he answer. Actually, he actually went from "I'm going to chill out" to "I want to taste their tears." <laughs> he actually so, used the phrase "I want to taste their tears," <laughs> so that's a pretty dramatic swing. But I'll be chilling. While I'm tasting their tears. <laughs> he is that you talk out of both sides of your mouth so well that sometimes if you're not paying attention, you get hypnotized by your little dance. And, uh, you know, that's the sort of things that happen. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, the other thing I, I, I wanted to switch gears on you guys and, and talk a little bit about how, I've been seeing this a little bit in the groups too, is uh, people are starting to talk about their frustration without, with, with not being able to get certain figures um, for, for high dollar amounts. And, and, um, and, and we know there's a lot of stuff that, that plays into us and you referenced it um, already, Jeremy, but 
Toy Bros video on YouTube was great from the standpoint of it, it talked about the simple fact of numbers. You know, there just isn't a lot of these figures. And currently we've got, I think I have four friends that are all looking for, um, they're all looking for uh, Snizzle Snatch. Um, Thistlethorn? Yeah, that one. Thistlethorn. Okay. And I I know why they're looking for them. Um, there's a new product out there that a lot of people feel like this certain head would look really good on him. Oh. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, of course, because Jeremy's heavily involved, but, but he's a figure that you rarely see on eBay. Mm-hmm. Like you rarely see him for sale. And, um, and, and, and it's not that he's, when he does come up, he's not that expensive. And I don't think I've ever seen him sell for over $75. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's never there. So eventually that price is going to start rising um, as that demand comes in. And, and so like, I, I think about that and I see these new collectors and I understand their frustration. And it, it made me actually think back to something that was talked about on the toys that made us when they were talking about um, the fall of He-Man. And they were talking about how He-Man had this huge, you know, almost, um, meteoric rise um and then all of a sudden it just plummeted and one of the things they mentioned is people were going into stores trying to buy for their kids or or kids were going into the stores and you you couldn't get a he-man and you couldn't get a skeletor and how all of a sudden that really kind of turns kid turned kids off because if you're watching the cartoon yeah you might like buzz off but when you walk into the store and there's eight of them, nobody wants that. Um, unless you're that weird kid, I guess. But so when you look at that and you start to think about that part of this story and this line, do you think, do you guys think that that is something that we are looking at, that the line could be in trouble based on the fact that people can't get who they consider to be the key characters in the story. You got anything to say, Jeremy? I do. I didn't know if you wanted to jump in on that first. No, go ahead. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's going to be a problem. And I think you, some of the stuff you mentioned, I would point out, you're talking, you you mentioned kids. Kids went in the stores. They couldn't find He-Man and Skeletor. They watched the cartoons. They want to recreate those storylines. Um, I think that is vastly different than what we're seeing with Mythic Legions for the simple reason that I know almost every collector that I talk to doesn't honor the faction and storyline systems that are already in place for the line. Uh, you know, Jeremy, can to, I, I, I want to cut you off real quick because yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying, but what I want to make sure I, I'm understanding, are you saying that the people a large chunk of the people that collect these figures aren't man manchilds. They no, are I'm not, not I'm, whiny children. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not okay. saying that at all. Please, please don't misunderstand me. Yes, there are many whiny children that collect this line. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, no, I mean, but I guess what I'm pointing out is, you know, when you have an established property with an established storyline, I understand that you want those key characters, either whether you're playing with them or whether they're going to be center on your shelf. 
But I think with this particular line, people make up their own storylines to begin with. So if you don't have an Atlas or an Attila or an Urzok or a Gorgo, those are all fairly hard to find figures. And they're actually important to the established storyline. But I know there are plenty of people that don't use them as those established storylines. So, yeah, I do understand that people want those named key characters. Uh, that's why the prices are going as high as they are because people desire them so much. But I don't think that them not being readily available is going to have the same effect as what you are saying about the He-Man line. Because I think the alternate has also been complained about in a lot of collector circles where you have lines like, you know, every line has to include three variants of Spider-Man or three Wolverines or three Batman characters. And people say, I don't need another Batman. Um, that's one thing that I think is incredibly impressive about this line and totally unique is that we're now, you know, how many waves in? 10, 11 waves in, 140 characters. There's not one character that's been duplicated. You know, we don't have, you know, multiple, you know, Atlas 2.0 and, you know, Urzok 2.0. I know a lot of people want that. And Cornboy has talked about going back to, you know, maybe do new versions of some of those characters, you know, in the future. Um, but the fact that we've gotten this deep and they're all unique characters, that's incredibly impressive. So, yeah, I don't think that that's going to hurt the line. I, I actually don't think that the high prices hurt the line. I disagree with a lot of people saying that the current high prices actually are going to drive collectors away and they're going to hurt the line. I don't agree with that. Why don't you agree with that? Because I think that – I mean, first of all, I think what's happening right now is all of these figures that are being sold for these high prices, they're not making more of those figures, which is why they're expensive. What's happening is you have people like us who have them at home, and they're saying, you know what? I love that figure, but if I can get $500, I can buy 10 other figures. And I know that I've spoken to a handful of collectors that have sold recently for big dollar amounts. And they're taking that money and they're reinvesting it in the line. They're buying other figures to make customs of, to build out, you know, battle scenes and, uh, you know, put in style, you know, have additional figures in their collection on their display. So I think that's what's happening right now. I think that older collectors that have been around for a while are making value judgments and they're putting some figures in the the sale pool just because of what's going what the price is going for um i just think that's going to bring more collectors in the line more people that are going to be like what why would someone pay five hundred dollars for a figure what am i missing you know let me pick up a handful of them from big bad why while they're cheap well you know what if you buy four or five figures from big bad right now and you get them in hand you're going to be blown away. You're absolutely going to be like, there is no toy line I've ever seen like this. Um, that brings more people in. And as we've seen, as once you start playing around with these things, you're absolutely hooked. Oh, yeah. Steven, you got anything to say about my, my He-Man analogy? Um, no, just a couple of questions that it brings up to me. Um, if you were in a, If you were to say... Who is the main good guy or the main character of Mythic Legions? Is there one? In other words, if, if there was going to be a cartoon or maybe a comic book or something, who is 
the, that person that is going to be in every episode that is going to be leading good and bad guys. You know, do you think you know, there is one or do you think it is, you know, it is more of a, um, you know, how, how, I, do you, how would you see it going down? I, so what's funny is there is a comic of course, and I, it was probably what 15, maybe yeah. yeah, 15 pages maybe. And it was beautiful. I, I loved it. I still enjoy that comic. Um, but it's funny you say that because the characters that I would say are the main characters are not in the only, <laughs> only piece of written fiction we have, except for the bios, of course, um, which I definitely have have a new appreciation for as we've gone through them. But you're right. I mean, Otho was maybe one of those you could obviously consider a heavy hitter, but he, he's not actually a, that was wasn't that popular of a figure. So, yeah, you're right. As I sit here and think about it, it's easy to say, you know, um, Gorgo and, and um, Atlas and, and those guys. But the reality of it is it is such a broad line that Verteris is a, a great example. Would I love to just sit down and read a comic book about Lord Verteris? Yeah, I would. Just him. It doesn't even have to be anybody else. That story to me sounds sounds super exciting. So, yeah, Steve, I, I kind of get what you're saying there from that standpoint as who really is the main, you know, who really are the main characters. And and even when you start to think you know that, they add, you know, Torgan's a great example. Looking back on Torgan's bio now, I'm like, wow, he is very in, intertwined into this story already. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that completely makes sense. I would say, Steve, that, the story of mythic legions is closer to game of thrones than it is to masters of the universe and mm -hmm. not obviously in the adult nature, the adult themes of game of thrones, but the fact that it's, it, it's an ensemble it's, you know, yeah, Jon Snow and Daenerys, they're key characters, but you know, you look down the road, you know, you look down at that, that, Game of Thrones storyline, and there are so many characters that play incredibly important roles. There are so many storylines that don't have anything to do with Jon Snow or Daenerys, um, so many relationships. And to me, that is what Mythic Legions is like. You know, there are certain storylines that are going to factor really heavily into certain characters and certain factions, but then there's whole other sections that don't that don't play in at all. To your point, Travis, you know, that comic book really focuses on probably Artemis Silvercord more than anybody else, but I don't think anybody would say that Artemis is the main character in Mythic Legions. She's exactly. one of them. She's one of them. My yeah. guess my guess and it wouldn't you know, and this is this is wavering now, but my guess would have been if you had to pick two, it would have been Sir Gideon Heaven's brand and Gorgo Aetherblade that they would be the two main heavy hitters, you know, of, of the thing. And everybody else would kind of be uh, offshoots of their war. Uh, but I don't know if that, you know, that, and as the characters, we keep getting more and more characters that seems less out of focus for me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what's interesting, Steve is the, those two characters you just mentioned, I think that's like, that's absolutely valid. You know, they both, you can look back, their two named swords were together in a weapons pack. They feel like they go the black and white. But what I'll point out is the two factions that they represent aren't the fa factions that are warring with each other. 
Um, the way Mythic Legions was built is there are 10 different factions. There are four heroic factions and there's four evil factions. Each heroic faction has a corresponding uh, evil one. And then there are the two splinter factions, the House of the Noble Bear and the Sons of the Red Star. So Gorgo is part of the Legion of Erethair. And as we saw in the Erethair wave, the Legion of Erethair is pitted against the army of Leodiceus. So if anything, Gorgo's enemies would be probably would probably be Attila Leosair. Um and then, you know, obviously Atlas is part of the Noble Bear, but he used to be part of Leodiceus. So those characters, based on the lore that's already been established, seem to have a closer connection with Gorgo than Gideon Heavensbrand would. Interesting point. You know what we need? We need Treadaway to start his own podcast. And all he does is tell us he sits and reads or does right from his mind the story of mythos. That's really what we need. I think it's kind of fun to sit and talk about it, though. It is. It's super fun. But I would love, I mean, I would absolutely love that part, you know, because obviously he's the one coming up with the majority of this stuff. And it it would be fun to, and, and now even, since you said that, Jeremy, when I think about Game of Thrones, I'm like, well, oh my gosh, that's so much more what this story is like rather than your, you know, your Masters of the Universe or, you know, a more conventional toy, you know, storyline. Which which leads me to my second conclusion or not conclusion question, I should say. I don't have a conclusion. My second question is, is could the line benefit by designating some clear heavy hitters and just stay with me on this let's say that they through uh through some sort of i don't know the bios or through some sort if there was some sort of uh entertainment and let's say they did designate that you know uh 10 characters and these are the main people right and then if they were to able to allow to have those characters evergreen would that would that relieve this anxiety of I can't get these older characters so I feel like I'm losing out or I, I can't be a completionist. I can't, you know, because it's it's basically like, you know, if I'm if I'm missing it, and I'm going to go back to He-Man again because it's what I know the most, but if I'm missing Rio Blast, I don't really care as long as I got He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, and Tila and, you know what I mean, those, those main ones. So do you think that that would be a smart way to go or, or, or is that sound like rubbish? I think evergreen is a great idea. And, and for anyone that doesn't understand what that, that means, I, I don't know if that term is actually from something, but that's what you're saying. Like what uh, Mattel did with classics, right? Where they always had those figures available for, for order. There was a time when at Maddie Collector you could always get He-Man for a period of time. He did eventually sell out and so did that goes back to the, the infamous uh, Swiftwin debacle with Travis where I told him that Swiftwin wasn't worth much because it was still available on Maddie Collector and then it immediately sold out and shot up in value and he blames me for that to this day. So um, yeah. it, it wasn't worth much, just $150. <laughs> i don't blame you i'm not holding any grudges dude i still got those swift wins we're good buddy we're good Mm -hmm. yeah to answer your question steve from my perspective you know 
I don't think that would hurt. I think that if they had, and this is me speaking as a fan, um, if they had, if they identified a number of key characters that were core and they were more readily available. Um, so new fans coming in could start their base with those main characters and then build on top of them. Yeah, I think that that would be nice for new collectors. So they, they wouldn't come on and say, okay, what what is available to begin with? Everyone who's available to begin with are ancillary side characters. Um, that would help. And I mean, they've also mentioned in the past that, you know, they they have designs to do something like that, just like they've mentioned that they want to have Legion builders that are in stock. And, you know, I like to joke around because they've used the phrase always in stock before. And I personally don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that the appetite for this line, there will be figures that sell out. But what I'm hoping for is that not always in stock. I'm hoping that they're just regularly rep replenished. So instead of Legion Builders coming out occasionally with waves, the Legion Builders are something that, to your phrase, Travis, are evergreen. They're always green. They're always fresh. There's always something there or being refreshed for them. Um, and they've said that they want to do that with certain characters as well, that certain key characters, they like the idea of keeping versions of them somewhat in stock regularly. Um, yeah, I think that would help. I think that that would give new fans at least a target of where to begin. Because right now, when when new collectors say, what should I do? How should I begin this line? You know, my suggestion to them is mostly, you know, if there's no pre-order available, go to Big Bad and get a variety. Get an ogre, get a goblin, get a female character. Um, just so you can see the different range of the line itself. If instead you could say to them, go on to, to Store Horsemen and buy the starter, the, the five that are part of what they call the starter wave, and that will give you some, some key characters to begin building out your legions. That would be nice. You know, and while it's such a great idea, I understand the problems that come from it. You know, having this continual backstock and money that you have invested – we all totally get that. But it's also funny, too, because we know what would happen. They would do that. That stuff would be readily available. And then it would be like, well, yeah, but uh, uh, what about uh, what about Thistlehorn? Uh, and, and I mean, you, they can nope. never make everybody happy. Nope. They just can't. And, and I've never seen a toy company that has done as much as they have to try and make people happy um, and, and not suck, as CB likes to say. But the reality of it is you can't make everybody happy. It's just the way it's going to be. Some people are going to be upset. They're going to get butt hurt. They're going to take their ball and go home. And, and that's life. Okay. Yep. Uh, just make sure if you're going to do that, you uh, reach out to me first. If I'm unavailable to buy your collection, I am going to pass you along to Jeremy Gerard here, my good buddy. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we got that stuff figured out. Let's move on to uh, some some uh, some projects Jeremy's involved in. Um, so let's talk about uh, what's what's it called, Travis? The name of, of you know I don't know if Jeremy's ever heard heard this, but uh, um, I might have had a little issue, and I I think I called it Kickapoo. That might not have been right, and I can't remember where Kickapoo even came from. Yep. But um, when you 
you pick a name for this um, adventure that you're planning on going on with our good friend, Len. Could you maybe have thought about me? Could you have done that and just named it Foxy or something like that? Why do you have to go? Um, why do you got to go and make it tough, buddy? Kickapoo? Yeah. There's not even there's not even an O in the word. It's uh, close. Uh, Travis has been talking about Kickapoo ever since you uh, you revealed these fox these fox characters, and uh, so you just can uh, have the floor, Jeremy, and tell us all about Kickapoo. Okay, so Kickapoo, which is actually pronounced Kitsune, is <laughs> if close. Not from, Out close. If you're not familiar, a Kitsune uh, that that word is actually Japanese for fox. So. In Japanese mythology, they're like fox spirits, basically. Um, it's a it's a kind of character. I really like the the anthro characters, the animal characters. Obviously, before Mythic Legions, when I was collecting Seventh Kingdom and Gothropolis with the ravens, those animals transformed into you know uh, warriors. I've always enjoyed that. So, for whatever reason, I really wanted a fox character. Um, couldn't find an existing toy line that had a good fox head that I could pop on a Mythic Legions. Uh, so I ended up, you know, last year reaching out to a 3D artist named Walter DeMarco. He posts online under under the name Mass Customs. Um, I reached out to him, and I, I had talked to him in the past. I had bought a couple of his pieces um, off, like, Shapeways. Really nice guy, and he asked me, he, he said he really liked the idea of doing a project with me. He asked me if there was anything I wanted, and I mentioned I really wanted these kitsune. So I commissioned him to make me these 3D sculpts. And you know what ended up happening is once I got them in, so I, I kind of art directed it. I told him what I wanted, I gave him feedback on the designs, and he did the 3D work. And uh, once I got the files, I had to determine how I was going to print these things. And initially, I was just going to use Shapeways because Shapeways is just print on demand. And this was a personal project, so I was just going to print some for me. And um, I actually reached out to one of your listeners, Anthony Husiel, and I'd seen him post uh, something on the Cabal that he had just gotten a 3D printer in. So I said, hey, Anthony, I see you have a 3D printer. Would you be interested in printing these for me? He was very honest and said, I'm, I'm brand new to this. I, I'm not your guy to do that, but uh, you should absolutely talk to Len LaGuardia, who is another one of your listeners. Now, I, I had met both Anthony and Len last year at Legions Con, so I knew Anthony better than Len, but I, was, I, I, was a, no, I knew who they both were. Um, so I reached out to Len, told him the same thing. Hey, I've got this little project I, I, you know, I'd like to have done. Would you be willing to help me out and print these? And you know, I've, I've said before when I've told this story, I probably exchanged three messages with Len before I realized that this dude is a rock star. Oh, my goodness. So incredibly creative, so knowledgeable. Um, he, he was able to do a bunch of work on the files to get them to where they needed to be to print. And as I was talking to Len about this personal project, he revealed to me that, you know, Lo and behold, because I was super impressed, thought he was just doing this for himself for a hobby, and that's I imagine how it started. But um, he had said to me, "I actually have you know some designs on wanting to to do this for myself to start like a 3D printing company doing figure add-ons, not just for Mythic Legions, but for other lines as well." Um, and he had asked me if I would consider licensing these Kitsune heads to him and the Kitsune tail to him to put them out as his first product. Uh, 
I mean, the reality was he had done so much work on them to begin with that I would have I would have felt awful saying, no, I don't I don't want to do that. Um, but the reality was I was happy to help him out. You know, Len has become a friend. The fact that he wanted to start a business, the fact that I could have even some small uh, contribution to helping, you know, get him started. I was absolutely happy to do that. So, uh, so he ended up printing up a bunch of pieces and he sent me the pieces to test out. And once I started painting them, I originally just imagined doing them in like orange and white, like a, like a fox would be. And as soon as I started painting them, I got all these other ideas. I, I kind of started approaching it like, you know, the horsemen I, I imagine do with mythic legions where they see these parts and they start to think, well, what other variations we can do how we can how can we paint this differently and create a whole new character so i did that with the fox heads and i you know i painted a black one i painted a, an arctic one um i even did some crazier ones i did one that was all like red and fiery called it a firefox um tons of fun absolutely loved them and you know len he started his own company it's uh it's wolf king customs and you know he did the first sale of these of these fox heads and fox tails the first sale was a painted sale because you know he had asked me if i would help him for that first sale if i agreed to paint them and what i really loved about that was as you know, we talked at the start of this show about you guys having bought some of my customs, um, the reality is I, I do sell customs and they're they're not inexpensive. They're not accessible for everyone to buy. And even people that do want them, sometimes I just I sell them so quickly that they don't have access to them. They can't get them quick enough. So the thought of being able to paint a run of these heads, put together a recipe that anybody could follow, and then more people be able to have a piece of my work in their collections that really appealed to me as a creator. So that combination of having a role in bringing these things to life, being able to paint them, get them into fellow collectors' hands, that was incredibly exciting. Uh, and in the sale that Len did, you know, he set a limited run on them because I can only paint so many um, in a realistic time frame. Uh, the, on, there was so much support in the community. The run sold out in 15 minutes, which was incredibly exciting. Um, and now we're just, you know, I'm, they're actually on the way to me now. I should be painting them in the next, you know, couple of days. I should be starting painting those. And I believe the next step is he's going to be actually this coming Saturday, I'm, depending on when this, when this actually airs. But uh, this coming Saturday, uh, which called May 16th, he's going to be actually putting up the unpainted pieces for sale, the unpainted pieces of the, the fox heads and tails, um, as well as some other some other surprises. Because, you know, well, Len did this project, you know, with me initially, these particular heads that I had commissioned. Um, he's got a lot of other ideas that I have nothing to do with that. Like I said, he was planning on doing this before I ever reached out and said, hey, can you help me out with this project? So he's got some other cool stuff coming that I think people are going to be very, very excited for. And as you guys said, you know, he's a listener. You know Len very, very well. You know what a great guy he is, what a cool collector he is. You know, honestly, this I couldn't be more excited for for his success with this with this new company early on. Yeah, Len's Len's awesome, um, and I, I have no doubt that this is a, this is going to be a successful endeavor for him. Um, me and me and Jeremy have actually been able to get a you know a few pieces in hand of the, some of the stuff that might be coming out, 
and had a chance to play with it, paint it, and, and mess around with it. And I think that there's going to be, I think there's definitely going to be some interest in some of these things because they're they're pretty cool. What I really like about what he's doing, because you're right, Steve, I've seen some of the other stuff he has planned. What I like about it is, you know, there are now a number of companies doing these 3D add-ons. And, you know, as a collector and customizer, I love seeing the variety of ideas that are out there. Um, Different artists, you know, what they bring to the line. And what's really cool to me about Lens Take is – I see a lot of other people doing really like gritty, like ogres and orcs and, you know, a lot of the evil type characters and Len, just his kind of collecting mentality, the kind of characters he likes are more on the light side of the equation. He likes the animal characters. He likes the the woodland characters and stuff. So not to say that he's never going to do any of those evil characters, but initially some of the stuff that I know he's working on, um, it's going to provide a whole, you know, not only a different artistic vision than what you know, obviously some of the other artists are doing, um, but a whole different kind of add-on piece, uh, you know, grouping than I think we've gotten from some of the other companies as well. As a collector, it's, it's, that's what I'm excited about, to see those, those different ideas so I can expand my own legions. Very, very cool. Travis, you got anything to say? I totally, I totally agree with that. The variety is perfect you know and it's not like there isn't enough of the pie to go around you know obviously i am a huge fan of my action figure customs um some of my favorite pieces that i have have my action figure customs you know Mm -hmm. parts on it but every sale that he has sells out uh lens sold out (laughs) you know i mean there is a lot of of opportunity there and a lot of, of chances and, and, and um, I guess, you know, just the, the chance to build your part library, you know, personally is what I really love. And I can't even paint, you know, I, you two, I can't imagine how great it's for you guys. Um, but, you know, I sit around here and look at all the custom pieces I have, and, and I'm super excited about this. And Len's a great guy, and, and, you know, he's the one that made us our Legion of Cash shirts. Um and so, you know, we're we're obviously in bed with the dude, too. Um, I don't know how you kind of snuck your way in there. But um, because let's be honest, if uh, Steve, Pete and myself are in bed with with Len, where are you fitting? Yeah, I, I no don't room. really understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to use you as a pillow. OK, that's what's going to happen. All right. Um, speaking of, I just want to throw this out there really quick. Dude, grow your beard back. OK. Uh I don't like this young Jeremy, this hip Jeremy. I I want that rugged, just man. I want him back. Okay, I absolutely want you back. Well, Trev, I was I was gonna bring this up too before we we're done here, but um, who's who's got the better hair game today, me or Jeremy? Jeremy's got you beat, dude. No, I don't know about that. No, thought... you do know. You're don't get me wrong, dude. Your quaff is looking awesome, but. I mean, I don't know if you, the LA looks you ran out or what, but it's just not as as clean as it usually is. Where Jeremy's looking like let's fly over there. Well, you know, fly for a kid with no facial hair, but um, he's got you. No, oh, 
I don't know. I I feel I feel uh I feel like I got to redeem myself. Next time we do this, um, you better bring it, Jeremy. Oh, understood, understood. <laughs> you know, one one thing I will add though about what I think Len's going to do with his company that I I hope other collectors are going to enjoy because you mentioned Travis about you know my action figure custom selling out. Um, you know, I know Rob has mentioned many times that he, cause I know I see people routinely ask him, you know, hey, when are you going to redo stuff from the vault? And, you know, his, he really wants to keep moving forward from what I've seen him say that he's excited about putting out new parts. Um, and then you have someone like, like Save Adam with his planetarydogtoys.com, which, I mean, his stuff is in stock all the time. And, you know, he, what he's doing seemingly is place an order and every couple of weeks they, they do a print run and they ship them out. So, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, missing out. And, and you know, I think what Len is going to do is somewhere between those two, where it's not necessarily going to be print on demand, but he's talked before about wanting to have some evergreen items. He's talked about wanting to not do as many parts as what some other companies do. uh, So he can actually print them a little more frequently, bring parts back. You know, ultimately his goal is to add cool pieces that, he can enjoy that other collectors can enjoy. So making them available in a way that people don't feel like if I don't jump on this now, I'm never going to get it. Um, I think that's something that's important to him as well. And I think people will appreciate that because I know certainly there have been times where I've seen a part and I don't purchase it. And then I either come up with an idea or, you know, you were talking earlier, you know, you said you don't have a vision to see how a part could be painted. Um, I do have a vision and that still happens to me. I saw Nikki paint that Templar torso and I saw Steve paint it and they painted it in a different way than I initially thought it was going to be used. And that made me actually want one. So I, you know, with, with my action figure customs, if you sleep on the sale, you miss out. Uh, hopefully, you know, I think what Len's going to do is make stuff a little more readily available. So if people do miss out, it's not like that it's going to go in the vault and um, they won't have access to it in the future. You know, speaking of that aspect of them being gone, you know, after they sell, especially my action figure customs, um, somebody brought it to my attention that in his last sale, he sold one of the Chathula heads painted. What head was that? Um, at, I, th- I think it was my action figure customs, their last sale. They sold one of the Chathula heads. <laughs> Chathula. Oh, you're a <laughs> dirty dog. Gosh. I felt like I cut out or something. Oh, <laughs> no, they sold one of those squid heads. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was painted by Zombie. That I, that's my guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who does great work? Um, if I remember right, I, I heard it sold for one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Yeah, I believe and, that's what I that's what I, I saw. Yeah, and I I wasn't watching, but to 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 think that a head, a head. Now I understand it's painted. And you can't get it anymore. I totally get that. But the fact that it sold for $175 is absolutely crazy to me. But 
I understand where it comes from. But yep. that's like you said, when this stuff's gone, it's gone. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's it's cool that he has that demand that people want it that badly, um, that they're willing to pay that. That's a wonderful piece. I have one of those, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> – it's evidence that there is absolutely an appetite in this market for those type of add-on heads to flesh out these Mythic Legions characters, to add just a whole other realm to to these Legions. And actually, the fact that it was painted, you know, that makes it accessible to all of those collectors that don't want to paint it themselves, that don't want to customize. They want to just slap it on an ogre body, and they've got an awesome, awesome figure for their collection. Yeah. It's just it the the reality of it is the line is going to continue to grow. What we're seeing right now with new collectors coming in and spending a lot of money, just imagine what that's gonna be like after uh the Aerithere wave comes out and people see those figures. Oh yeah. Um oh, yeah. it and then you add on these great um you know, pieces, custom pieces that these guys are making. And I can't wait to talk to you after you paint however many of these fox heads that you've, you're going to be doing and find out if you still like painting for people. Yeah, we'll see. I, I agree with you. I, I think that as rabid as the fan base is, and as much as it's growing, I think Aerithere is next level. I mean, when I when they debuted that at G-Con last year and I saw those pots, those parts in person, I was absolutely blown away. When people actually get those in hand, they are going to be so incredibly impressed. I mean, everyone talks about the horses. As impressive as the horses are, that entire wave, in my opinion, doesn't have a dud amongst it. Um, not that the waves normally do, but that entire wave is super, super strong. People are going to love that, and, and that's just a start. I, I, some of the stuff that they have in the queue that people are going to, you know, that's going to start being revealed in, you know, coming months throughout the rest of the year, people are absolutely just going to go bonkers for this toy line, even more than they've done already, if you can, you know, imagine that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see more stuff. Um, you're absolutely correct. I got to see the Aerithere Wave at PowerCon. Um, and, you know, they're just, I'm so excited to get that wave. Probably probably more excited than I've been. Um, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, with the exception of, I mean, the first Kickstarter and the Advent Kickstarter, those were incredible because of the sheer volume of figures that we got in. You know, I told this story the other day on my Mythic Conversation show, but getting those waves in and having a day to just go through those boxes and open those figures. I've never had a toy haul that's, you know, 30 to 45 figures. That was absolutely incredible. Um, but even that being said, even though Aerithere is a smaller wave, I have that level of excitement to get those in just just because of how different they are the new body parts that they're going to add into my library like i went heavy on that wave not only because the figures themselves look so good but looking at those new torsos and the new shoulder pauldrons and everything 
I was immediately just thinking about the different kinds of characters I can create, the different upgrades I can make on some of my current customs with them. Uh, that is going to be an, incre an incredibly exciting haul once that comes in. Agreed. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, I think that's all for today. What do you think, Jeff? I think so because my wife just gave me that look. And oh. it wasn't the, it wasn't the, I'm taking off my clothes look. It was, uh, we got stuff to do. Oh, man. She's no fun. Anyways, thanks, Jeremy, for coming on. It's always a blast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Um, we will definitely have to have you back. Anytime. And uh, keep doing Mythic Conversations. I know we, we enjoy it, me and Travis. And uh, I think it's good, for the, it's good for the community. It's good for, you know, have stuff out there to keep people involved. There's, a, there's such a big uh, time lapse in between figures with, with this wave, where with this toy line. So, all right, everybody, that's going to wrap up Chapter 10 of Legion's Cast. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. I mean, what else is out there for you to enjoy for Legions? Except Jeremy's not doing Mythic Conversations. If we're not doing this, that's about all you have. So um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Till then, stay safe.